Good morning, everyone. All right, my friends, let us uh, look at the scriptures. I believe it is the role of the preacher uh, to speak God's words, and um, certainly then today is a day to speak about forgiveness. My friends, our first reading um, is an early explanation of Jesus' passion and is an example of the early witnesses to the resurrection. Uh, Peter has a very candid and very frank conversation with the people, and he lays blame on them um, for what they did. And he excuses them uh, on the fact that they uh, were ignorant uh, and did not know Jesus. Now, to know in the Scripture is not here. To know is all of it. To know is to be in relationship. You are not in relationship with him, therefore you could not understand. Uh, of course, Father Mark, with a sense of humor, uh, in Detroit, we would say, you, they, you did that because you are acting a fool. <laughs> and then down in Tennessee, they would say, yeah, they were ignorant, Father. That's what they were. That's why they did that. Yeah, I have relatives in, down there in Tennessee. I know how they talk. I laugh when they say ignorant. Ignorant? <laughs> <laughs> That's a funny word. <laughs> My friends, we, uh, our second reading says we, here's the same thing. We show that we know God, not here. Our whole being, relationship with God by keeping his commandments. In spite of everything, our second reading, First John tells us, now you're going you're gonna to sin. But know that you have an advocate, Jesus Christ. And when you are contrite and uh, seek forgiveness, Christ will be there and he will intercede for you. And um, so all these readings we have today really do speak about um, forgiveness and about sin. And my friends, here's the thing. We can't talk about the resurrection and salvation and not talk about sin and judgment. They don't make sense. And if you don't believe in the resurrection and in salvation, here's the thing. That means you do not believe in judgment and sin. And the world is filled with people who do not recognize sin. Satan's clever, isn't he? He doesn't have to do much. All he has to do is get you to believe there is no such thing as sin. And therefore, you do not need resurrection and salvation. In the Easter season, we hear uh, about the appearance stories of the risen Lord. In each of, of Jesus' resurrection appearances, he reveals himself to the disciples or to the apostles and then instructs them, go and tell the others about me. Through the appearance events, the Lord is taking the disciples who are broken apart and scattered because of the crucifixion and death and begins to weave them together again. Not around just anything, around him, and around his truth, and around his resurrection. In the appearance account we read in today's gospel, it begins with the end of the Emmaus story. And here the Lord establishes the features that would be part of every authentic Christian community. His peace, his grace, his presence, and his purpose, or his mission, because he will instruct the apostles 
and us about mission. He appears to the apostles, and his first expression in English is, Peace be with you. Now, my friends, he extends them his peace because in that upper room where he washed their feet, where they swore allegiance to him, in that very room that they're in now, there is fear and guilt and confusion and a whole mess of other things going on in that room. And now he's up there with them. And they have all kinds of anxieties. And those friends of his, those followers, abandoned him and denied him despite their strong claims to the, that they would not. They said they wouldn't, but by morning they had done this. They knew their betrayal. They knew the guilt within them. They were sorry, but they could not undo what they had done. Jesus is aware of all these things and of their contrition. And the first thing he says to them is peace. Now, you did that to me. That would not be the first thing out of my mouth. <laughs> but and I am working on that holiness, right? So we see the example of the Son of God. And in English, the translation is peace be with you. But that is the word Jesus would have used would have been an Aramaic word, but it would have been understood in the Hebrew sense. In the Hebrew, it would be shalom. Shalom. And it does mean peace. And Debbie and I have been talking about this. But to the Hebrew ear, they would have picked up something more that makes absolute sense. The word shalom has within it connotations of reunion from a past time and coming together. I hear the word and immediately I think, shalom, my brothers and sisters. And the image of the Garden of Eden with humanity and God together. Shalom. And the 12 tribes of Israel once together, then dispersed. Shalom, my people. What about the church of the East and the West? Shalom, my people. How we need to hear that word. And then of all the many, many denominations in the Protestant Shalom, my people. Jesus lets them know they are forgiven because sin divides us. Sin separates us from the Father. Sin separates us from each other. This is why he came. He came to bring us back together again. This was the answer to sin. This was the forgiveness. So, it isn't surprising then that the Son of God says, Shalom, peace. You are forgiven. And then their anxieties and fear begin to leave them, and they're able to go and proclaim joy and peace and the risen Lord. And they do so without fear. In the room, they're terrified, and something changes. 
this is the message of our Lord at every celebration of the Mass. And really, when we celebrate all the sacraments, peace, reunion, love, joy, empowerment from the Lord, the message of forgiveness that comes with repentance, and they are forever linked together, repentance and forgiveness. Now, my friends, in our day, unfortunately, people try to separate them. Some folks do repentance, and they do it really well. But they do not really believe that they are forgiven. That makes a sham of that. If you say, well, they can be forgiven, but I cannot. Remember last week, I kind of got at that with Thomas. You know, people are like, oh, Father, you, you kind of went after Thomas. No, no, no. It's all in the scriptures. My friends, if there is forgiveness for those who did this to his son, how is it then that you cannot be forgiven? Was there forgiveness? Yes. Remember the mark of Cain? Did you, God put that on Cain so that everyone knew he was a sinner? No. Go and read your scriptures. God said, I will mark you with this. And then he let everyone else know, anyone touches him, you will have to deal with me and my vengeance. That means you could not touch him. He was protected by God. Because murder is acceptable? No, because there is forgiveness. What about Moses? Moses didn't get into the promised land, did he? Why? Now, you know, my sense of humor. Because he sassed God. Was there forgiveness? Absolutely. He's in heaven. How do you know, Father? Because he's at the transfiguration, <laughs> talking to Jesus. Was there consequences to him? He sided with the people. Is what he sided with the people over God. That's <laughs> what he really did. He sassed. Yes. He couldn't go to the promised land with them. What about King David? You guys know King David, don't you? Ooh, mercy. Adulterer, thief, murderer, liar, cheat. What does the scripture say about King David? Well, he wrote the Psalms. He said he's a friend of God. Was he a friend of God when he did those things? No. Was there forgiveness? Yes. Forgiveness, repentance. Repentance meaning metanoia. Metanoia, uh, I try not to use all these theological terms because they won't make sense sometimes. Metanoia is a change of heart of mind. This is what Peter was getting at. He's, you did this. Metanoia, change. King David changed. And truly would be said he is a friend. So when people today tell me, oh, there cannot be forgiveness for me. What have you done that is so wretched that God's love and what his son did cannot undo it? Arrogance. Don't be so arrogant. Have faith and trust in God. 
no matter what we have done, no matter our past, how horrible we think the thing that we have done and we did, repentance by God's grace and by His Son's sacrifice brings new life and forgiveness and peace. St. Peter says in the first reading, Repent that your sins may be wiped away. Whoosh, gone. The peace and grace that comes from forgiveness is our Lord's first wonderful gift of Easter to the apostles and to each one of us. His presence, His real presence. Jesus said, Look and see that it is I myself here. Our Lord means it is really, really Him. Jesus is truly among us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And my friends, this becomes very important. Now, if I use a theological term, hypostatic union. Uh, what's that, Father? Right? Um, I, yeah, the faith formation, no, exactly. what. I, but if I tell you, his presence. Father Mark contemplates so many things in the resurrection. There is a hypostatic union. God is always doing something wonderful. So that was real body, blood. And yet somehow divinity is with the natural, with the body. And they did that, and they destroyed it. They killed them. They put him in the tomb. Where did the, where did the soul go? Where did his... It's hard for us in English, it's hard in human words to understand this. Okay, what happened? Where did the divinity go? They opened up the tomb and his body's not there. That is not proof of the resurrection. Anybody can steal a body. Proof of the resurrection is what we heard today. Jesus shows up, although the doors are locked. So how did he get in? He went right through the wall. His body is the same but different. He's not simply resuscitated. There is something different. It looks the same, but it's different. So much so, he tells them, look at me, it's me. And then he says, give me something to eat, let me show you. Because ghosts don't eat. Because he says, what is in your heart? Why are you so disbelieving? Why do you have so little faith in God? Well, Father, what, what is this all about? Well, first of all, it's about the resurrection. I'm thinking... If Father Mark tries to run through that wall right now, <laughs> he's going to knock himself right out. And the faith formation team is going to have to help revive me. <laughs> Something's the same, but different. His, the body of Jesus of Nazareth has been resurrected by God, and it's different. He can still eat, but he can go through the wall. I'm looking forward to many things about heaven. One of them is going right through that brick wall. <laughs> There I go. Oh, wait. It gets, wait till the ascension comes. There he goes. Body and divinity. Now, you, you guys are, well, what is he getting at? Here's what I'm getting at. Jesus said he would always be with us. 
He was very present to those apostles. He is very present to you and I in the scriptures and when we're with each other and with prayer, all those things. But he is with us in the Eucharist. This is the point I'm making by making you laugh. God put divinity, we call it hypostatic union, to the body. And people have a hard time with that. God puts his son's divinity into the Eucharist. People have a really difficult time with that. He is present to us. God makes this happen. So that, oh, that whole thing that I made you laugh was because I was getting at this. Because the Eucharist, people have a difficult... Nah, 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 nah. Why do you limit God to what he can and cannot do? God puts the very divinity, body, soul, blood into the... Why? Because he can? Yeah, sure, absolutely. But... To make the son, his son's words true. My son said he would be with you. He would be present to you. And here we go. And how wonderful and glorious is it indeed. And you can hear those words of Jesus. Why are you so troubled by this? Why do these questions arise in your heart? See and know that it is I present to you. He is not with us in some memory from a long time ago. He is with us truly as he was with the apostles. He is present to us. He comes to each one of us in the Eucharist. And this is what's even more amazing. The Eucharist is our summon, our source, has everything. And the Eucharist, as each one of us take it worthily, knows Exactly what we need. And those graces are given to us. Each one of us. <laughs> God is amazing. Absolutely amazing. The enduring permanent real presence of our Lord to us is his second Easter gift to the apostles and to us. Finally, in addition to his grace, his peace, his forgiveness, his presence, there is his purpose, mission. The Lord commissioned the apostles to be witnesses of his way, his truth, and his life, of his life, of his truth. And it is to become the center of our very existence. And that in the middle of an old world like ours, a new creation is at work and growing. The Lord sends us, his disciples, today to witness to his truth in a world that is not unlike that upper room that afternoon, guilt and confusion and fear. He sends us. During the week, someone came in, because they were really filled with anxiety, and I do not make fun of them, but they said, what is God doing? What is he going to fix everything? You know how your pastor is. To which the person turned and walked away. Bye-bye. <laughs> Think about it. Pray about it. Disciples. 
My friends, the church has been favored with many great heroic witnesses to Christ's life and to his teaching. There are many saints known and unknown who had a mission to fulfill. We are given a purpose, a mission as well. And certainly, it is a mission to share his peace, to share his forgiveness, to share his presence with others. At least one other person. Is that asking so much? One person. Just find one person and share the Savior with him, his way, his truth. One person, come on. That's not asking so much. You guys know lots of people. Perhaps each of us can share then his truth with a real sense of care and love and honesty and fidelity in this world. Faith in Christ and walking in holiness when it takes shape as a parish lends great stability to communities. Faith in Christ, walking in holiness when it takes shape in us gives our lives stability also. The God of second chances. My brothers and sisters, I believe it is, it is our role to preach about all these things. My friends, I have so many notes. The disciples of Jesus, we are to walk in holiness and walk in confidence and know that there is a quiet and persistent joy that is to be ours, despite the craziness of our world at times. For Jesus has conquered this world. Love is stronger than hate. <laughs> Goodness, I'm, I'm listening to the child's like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Goodness is victorious over evil. And life in Christ is stronger than human death. My friends, this is the mission and message of the witnesses of Jesus Christ today, disciples of him, to testify and to witness to his truth, his way, and his life. The story of Easter was not finished with the ascension of our Lord, for it continues in each one of us and will continue until he returns. And my friends, at the last Mass, I told folks, human death is so real to us. We experience it. We know it. But the resurrection isn't. Because none of us have known, save Jesus Christ, who is resurrected. Doctors can revive a body, a corpse, if you will, that's not the same. Yeah, yeah, I know about the people who, the sensitive ones who, I'm not talking about them, <laughs> the psychics and all that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about resurrected body. People have a hard time with resurrection because they haven't experienced it. The truth of the matter is all the baptized have already. They just don't recognize it. We are living the resurrection almost in a way, in a very crude way, uh, there is a dignity. You are, every human person is made in the image of God, so the, the dignity is always there. The divine life, that's a different thing. Eternal life is what I'm getting at. That's communicated in a different way. 
the dignity always. We must always respect the human person, for they are created in the very image of him. And we've really got to start grasping the resurrection. Death is all too real to all of us. The resurrection's got to be more real for us. If we are to venture more than that, if we are to be worthy disciples who testify to his love and truth. If you don't believe it, it's going to be horrible. And the one thing that the world has a lot of are really embittered Christians. They don't make very good witnesses, do they, when they're filled with hatred and meanness and they're bitter. That's why Jesus was up in the upper room with those apostles. Get rid of all that. That's not going to work here. We speak his truth, but we do so with love and joy and hope and confidence. I hope I've done that today for you. Amen?